Okay. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Robots in Disguise podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I gotta catch them all. And yes, I'm David. Today's episode is Collect Them All. Which uh, Hasbro these... would like you to do, please. Yeah, that's right. Buy all their things. Mm. And yet you cannot collect them all because the main Decepticon in this episode cannot be purchased. I know. Uh, she came out as a tiny titan. As a tiny titan. That's all you got. That was all. I'm not even sure the people who designed the tiny titan got the memo as to her gender. <laughs> it's very neutral. Mm. Well, of course, we barely see her robot mode in this. Yes. It's sad. She needs to be in everything. She needs to be in like a dozen episodes. I get, and I suppose in theory you could redeco any bird transformer as her, but we haven't really had a bird transformer in a while. Um, hmm. no, we've had pterodactyl. We had that, yeah, maybe we're. We had that one really good one in uh, Energon. Oh yes, um, dive bomb, and of course that was like, good lord, sixteen years ago. Oh yeah. man, I already been, felt very old. There's yes. been a couple like mini con ones, I think. Yeah, and I guess I mean we are going. Uh, I think I'm not sure if we're going to get an air razor in Kingdom, but hopefully, hopefully, but uh, that would be I cool. Th- think I want to say that name showed up, but. We haven't seen them leaked yet, okay. like we have with everything. Many of the others. Everything. Just the the sensor boxes over things that makes it look like porn. It's inappropriate censoring. Wait, what? What did I miss while letting the cat out? Are we censoring Filch's? Uh, no, um, Cloaca? we're talking about the leaked, the leaked kingdom yes. photos that have the sensor bars over them oh. to block out watermarks and it just looks like they're covering up Cheetor's nipples. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, cause it was like right across his nipples and his crotch. Yes. <laughs> just makes it, makes it look like porn. Yeah. Oh wait, no, I, we have had another bird, we've had, um, uh, Predacon Dive Bomb. Oh, right, from, uh, the, yeah, the big... the original Predacon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could, but that would be kind of hilarious if you just redecoed a fifth of a combiner as Filch. Yeah. yeah. Well, hmm, if that, if those were better molds and weren't just weird blocky things that I didn't even bother buying, you could remold some of them. You could probably get a... A wolf version out of one of the guys and have that be or steel jaw. You could get like, uh, you could uh, remold a, uh, like, cutthroat into a bird, maybe? The, the Terracon? Um, yeah. Kind of like a weird gargoyle thing. Yeah. Anyway, she's, so. She's a really cool design and she should have had a toy. Yes. Though she is one of the few Predacons that, uh, has an animal mode and a robot mode versus having a furry mode and a vehicle mode that might incorporate some animal themes. Yes. Yes, because her robot mode is not really bur- is not really avian at all. Except yeah. in that it is the alt mode of a bird. Yeah, right. I mean, you're always gonna have wings. Right, but she doesn't stuff. have like a beak or anything. No. Right. She kinda has like a great haircut. Yes. Yeah, well she, she has like, it's um. It's pretty great. Kind of a blur thing. Yeah, kind of a blur thing. A blur and a little bit of Arachnid's head style without being 
like as creepy as her head design was. Which yes. Her head design was basically um Maleficent. Maleficent, yeah. She's basically an amazing design that was criminally underused. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we uh, we open with uh, what what is like an X file style cold open. Yes. We got a family there, and it's it, interesting. It appears to be like a Native American family. Yeah, yeah, I really like that you have these random characters who are not actually important to the story at all, but they're gonna add some diversity here yeah. just for the just for no reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, except the reason that people like this exist and yes, you know, things happen to them as much as to everyone else. So yeah, they're they're going camping in their RV. Their kid is not excited, but he is excited when a giant bird grabs their <laughs> RV and steals it. He's posting to social media to let everyone know that he is not excited. Hashtag family vacation. <laughs> Which is pretty adorable. Yes. But yes, also, he he's very excited and posts something about how staying at a hotel tonight. Yes, and, and at which point I, re- I realized, oh, that's what episode this is. It's the Filch episode. Yes. Yes. Hashtag awesome indeed. Oh yes, and, and I forgot to mention this uh, first aired May the second, and it was written by uh, May second, twenty fifteen. So five years ago already, which seems insane. Uh, and it was written by veteran Transformers writer Stephen Melching. Oh, good. Who also wrote a bunch of Beast Machines, a bunch of Transformers Prime, and has also written uh, episodes of Robots in Disguise. Most recently, uh, More Than Meets the Eye, the mm-hmm. one with Chop Shop. Uh, the one with Chop Shop, but also the worst title. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> anyway, so cut to the Autobots. They are looking for a, uh, they're looking for a moving Decepticon signal, strong arm side, side swiper kind of bickering. Um, you know, and they are not having a lot of luck with this, especially since strong arm is in a particularly foul mood. Yes. Uh, specifically, Sideswipe wants to know who put shrapnel in her intake valve. Oh yeah, <laughs> again with with the weird subtext stuff. Ah, oh. what subtext is this? Intake valve. Where I mean, is that? that wouldn't that be, be like her mouth? Yeah, it could be any hole. Oh, I guess it would be mouth, but yeah, any hole, something. <laughs> the mouth is the intake, and there is a transformer named Shrapnel. So you know, no, that's not. And he does have that, you know, um. Cerebro shell, um, no, that that's bombshell. Oviposit. Oh no! Oh right, Trapnel is the lightning dude. Never mind. Yeah. Kickback. I was thinking is, of the wrong creepy one. Yep. Back is the grasshopper. Yes. But it's still intake valve. You can take that as innuendo. Yeah. And we don't know what a zots is that sideswipe also mentioned. <laughs> which that that sounds really really rude. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, meanwhile, things are afoot at, uh, the, the scrapyard as, uh, uh, Denny's old acquaintance, Larry LaRue, has dropped in. Yes, though someone's at the gate and Denny is hoping that it's someone who is coming to sell him a pristine 8-track player. Yes. And I feel even <laughs> more that, that I am just Denny. And <laughs> <laughs> Have, having recently have taken advantage of living 
in in a sort of touristy outskirts of a major urban area and having a new car i've been like going to flea markets and Today, I was literally almost about to buy a sealed VHS copy of The Matrix. (laughs) (laughs) But I decided that that wasn't quite 90s enough because it's from 1999. And that's that's much more of an iconic DVD movie. Yeah, that Um, that is 100% a DVD movie. Well, well, the uh, thing is, my rule is only buy a VHS if it's old, forgotten, lost anime that no longer has any other form that has ever been put out. Or if it comes in a fun color. If you can I mean, get that's... an orange VHS tape, I will buy that. It it used to be my policy to only keep VHS tapes of things like Lensmen or Clash of the Bionoids, which is an omni-dub <laughs> production of Macross You Remember Love. Uh but I've now that I have a working, I, I mentioned last episode that I salvaged an old CRT, and by salvaged I mean I was driving around one more, driving home from like Walmart one morning, and someone had it sitting on the curb, a block from my apartment, with a piece of tape on the front that said "Free Works." Uh, <laughs> so I've taken out my my old vcr that i kept in order to play that vhs tape of lensman and now i like picked up a copy of independence day from a used bookshop out in front royal and and yeah basically uh having a bit more freedom of transportation and access to little dinky towns that have lots of rural flea markets i have become denny and him hoping someone was going to sell him a pristine eight track player. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, I have I was absolutely looking at like weird portable record players <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> so, uh I I don't want the character I relate to most in this show to be Denny, but here I am <laughs> with my CRT with a VCR hooked up playing Independence Day. So yeah, this is, uh, Lair Lou, voiced by John Kat, Katovicic, who appears to mostly be a music supervisor. This is his only acting credit. Ah. Oh. So this is just like, they didn't want to actually cast somebody, so they just got whoever was hanging around. Uh, yeah, look, you know, uh, music supervisor and music coordinator. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but, uh, he did work on Jackie Brown, a movie that I really like. Hmm. Oh. And also, Bride of Chucky, a movie I do not much care for. Alas. Uh, uh, I thought it was okay. It, it has its moments. Well, the, the, most Chucky movies are really good. I haven't seen the last two or three, I though. hear they're actually pretty good. They've got a bunch of uh, Brad Dourif in them. And uh, I'm always up for uh, Brad Dourif. <laughs> oh, and boy. also Brad Dourif's uh, creepy look-alike daughter. Hey, you know, yes. You know who else? You know what else Brad Dourif is in? <laughs> uh, Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Dune. He is in Dune. He is. Oh yeah. Just doorfin it up. Yeah, just having giant like dead squirrels taped to his forehead because there was another character <laughs> who was described in one line of the book as having bushy eyebrows, and David Lynch was like, "This must mean that he and also everyone else of his profession has dead squirrels taped to their foreheads." <laughs> well, it, it, aren't aren't those guy the Mentats? Aren't they like? Limited psychics or something? Yes, but again, I'm not sure how psychic powers means... You know, you th- they didn't glue a couple of caterpillars to Patrick Stewart in those know, X-Men but, movies. 
Oh, it, so it's you a can... nice little shorthand as opposed to usually it's like bald guy is psychic. You can reasonably are... describe someone as having bushy eyebrows and that be within the range of normal eyebrows. Like you could have like Peter Gallagher eyebrows. Yes, that doesn't There are lots mean... of crazy things about that movie I like and giant I love eyebrows that are movie one of them. so much. <laughs> so many decisions were made. Why you meant you mentioned our previous episodes that there was a cat that needs to be milked. I love the cat. For a mentat, another mentat. Yes. But you did not mention there's a rat taped to the cat that has to be milked to give to the mentat. Yes. And, and that isn't even t- mentioning the pug. And it, t- and it, yes, that's right. The Duke has a pug. I, why does the Duke have a pug? Like, because he's basically be a her- sheriff from a 1970s movie. Heroically held at the end of the big <laughs> the movie. Also, the the toy, uh, the little action figure that LJN made at the time of Sting's character comes with that cat. And I absolutely need it the next time I have a spare hundred dollars lying around. <laughs> oh. Anyway, Brad Dourif... Oh, I need to find a copy of Dune on VHS. <laughs> because I'm Denny now. And yeah, so it, it is Denny's old quote-unquote friend, Larry LaRue, who is now the host of a reality TV show called Scrapmeisters, which appears yeah. to be like an American Pickers type thing. There you go. I was saying earlier, like at the beginning of the series, that, that Denny needed a reality show. And here you go, the reality show element. And I sometimes specifically... like to put those shows on in the background when I'm at work and don't want to pay attention to them, but want to occasionally look up and be like, hey, some junk. <laughs> and it, it's apparently a very low-budget reality show because he appears to be the star, producer, and cameraman. Yes. Yeah, well, he has, like, sub-vocalizations that make it sound like he's on a show that's about to get canceled or has already been canceled and he's just... Trying to worm anything out of this by visiting an old guy he knows yes. with a giant junkyard full of treasure. And Denny absolutely does not want to be on TV. You know, he doesn't love, and you know, he doesn't have junk because he wants to be rich or famous. He just wants to have junk because he loves junk. Yes. <laughs> he, he really wants a pristine eight track player. Much like Oscar the Grouch, he loves trash. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and he does, like, all through the series, you see him genuinely, like, like he was excited about his old refrigerators, or he was excited about those, like, Buck- fake Bob's Big Boy. Or at the Breakfast Beaver. Yes. Mm. Yes, he loves his junk. Oh, God, I am him. <laughs> anyway, the, the Autobots continue to fight with Filch, and Filch has a somewhat limited vocabulary. Yes. Uh, it is uh, largely limited to shiny. She... Mostly doesn't. She only has like one other line that isn't shiny, and I forget what it like, was. I mean, it's mine. It's not shiny. I thought there, that there, there was like half a sentence. Other than that, she uh, anyway, does she... seem to be of. I mean, haven't all the Decepticons we've seen so far, barring any like below average intellects, at least been like. Clearly sentient. Yeah, <laughs> like she verbal. is. I mean, she's, she's, uh, 
almost she's like a low functioning kleptomaniac. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if it wasn't for that one scene where she's backlit against the sun, where you can just barely see her robot mode, I would think she's just a Cybertronian animal. Yes. Yeah. I mean, who learned words? You could probably. No, you could definitely, like, a, a raven that hung around with someone enough to pick up some words would have this level of intelligence. Because mm-hmm. actual ravens yeah. are extremely intelligent. Let me tell you about actual ravens. <laughs> <laughs> I did make friends with one, briefly. I forget if, if you heard about this, Rob. I, I think I did, yes. Yes, it was, it was a few months ago. Uh, I was up in Shenandoah National Park and it was, I guess, about, uh, fledging time because this young raven was like picking at some sandbags they had used on a, to hold up a sign by the side of the road. I was like, how close will it let me get? And it was the, the answer was close enough that I, it's gonna steal my keys. Uh, so <laughs> I will, I will have to repost the video that I took of, of, uh, of this encounter, uh, to, to coincide with this episode. But, uh, it, it was, it was pretty adorable. Uh, I just about got my keys stolen by a raven. It was pretty great, but they're very smart and this is entirely accurate. And I'm, I'm sure if it hung around with people enough to learn the word shiny, it would be exactly this level of intellect. <laughs> And uh, she was voiced by Constant Zimmer, doing like a weird, croaky bird voice. Yes, who is just strong arms. So again, the uh, I guess they blew all their casting budget on Frank Stallone, huh? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like she has a lot of lines. Yes, but also there's you know the other guy who's just like some sound yes, engineer, just some guy. So, yeah, I think that basically they like took all their their like half of this episode's casting budget so they could pay Frank Stallone and then they had to budget on this one. Uh, yeah, I, we don't really get another celebrity voice actor for several episodes and then it's Eddie Deason. <laughs> I guess Eddie Deason and Frank or, or yeah, Frank Stallone money are probably about the same. Yeah, I'm I'm just rooting around in my pockets to find it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Cup of coffee and a good dinner. <laughs> Great uh, piece of pie. Anyway, so, uh, so yeah, she gets away. Bumblebee gets hit with a bunch of power lines. She's going to try to steal strong arm and sideswipe and has yes. to be discouraged. She's just stealing people at this point. Mm-hmm. Cause they're shiny. I mean, sideswipe <laughs> is very shiny. Yeah. So, so we cut back to the, uh, the, the scrapyard and Russell's all, Hey, you know what? You know, why don't you want to, you know, you can be on TV, you can be rich and you can be famous and you can move out of this junkyard. And, you know, Denny is all, yeah, you know, I, I just want to own a bunch of garbage and uh, not be famous. And also you can't have a TV crew coming into our scrapyard because we have a bunch of space robots living here. Yeah. And meanwhile, this sets off a C plot with fix it. Because, uh, you know, Russell is all, oh, this, this camera could make you a star. He's all, oh, this could cause him to transform into a stellar body. I must this, investigate. Oh, he, he says, how would appearing on television induce stellar fusion? So then he, yeah, he figures out that it's the camera that would, would induce stellar fusion. <laughs> it's pretty adorable. Hmm. 
Yeah, also, like, I, I feel like mm. this level of sketchiness is pretty much exactly every reality show person I've heard of. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, they, uh, they check the, uh, the Alcamore database and it turns out that Filch is, uh, yeah, a, a compulsive thief. They don't mention this episode, but we do find out later that she's a Corvacon. Even her mugshot yeah. is a bird. Yes. <laughs> That's like her preferred mode. I guess it's easier to steal stuff with like. Yeah, with wings. Yeah, like bird claws. Yes. She's pretty. And then, she's pretty bird. She's pretty bird. Yeah. And so, yeah, Strong Arm is, uh, you know, she is being real moody lately. Uh, oh, yeah, and, uh, and also, Gr- and also Grimlock is... Ve- and she keeps itching. Yeah. Yes. She, she has, like, robo-eczema, which is... Yeah. Aw, she's got a rash. That's uh, the heartbreak of robo-psoriasis. <laughs> yes. And also, Grimlock is just very excited to punch, uh, like, some people, some... You might think that some robots would have a rule against, you know, punching a lady, but Grimlock does not. No. If they're a Decepticon, he's going to punch them. Yep. He's very excited to fight this bird. Yes. <laughs> Which is mm. definitely a statement. So, yeah. uh Strong, you know, she's just hanging out on this uh this big sign in the scrap here. And this is really, I really like this scene. Uh It looks great. They're just on oh, yeah, this, like... There's- there's a lot of uh, scenes in this episode that, that are animated better. Yes. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's sort of reminiscing about her first uh, arrests, which include for public rustiness and oh, indecent and- transformation. I want to know yes. more about indecent what? transformation. What is that? Was what it, is that? Is that what I'm, I'm putting it out there now? That's what Steel Jaw was in for. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like how, what? What would it be? Indecent transformation be? Listen, you know that uh, that Punisher shapeshifter figure that you, that turns into a gun and you kind of turn it. <laughs> That's like the first thing that pops into my mind. Halfway, like, so like the the missile launcher is his dick. I think that's it. It was actually like, scattershot that she yes, mistransformed scattershot. <laughs> like it. That's the only thing I can think of. But like other than that, like how how is that a thing? Unless it's like transforming in some place you're not supposed to, which would be I don't know maybe inappropriate or I yeah, guess inappropriate. Like during it, like it just like implies odd things. Like like you turn into a car during a funeral and like your horn plays La Cucaracha. <laughs> so sideswipe. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like just those two words being together in a phrase raises a great deal of questions that I would like some answers <laughs> yeah. to. Uh. So yeah, she she's really just feeling homesick. She's not used to being on this weird planet, and so Bumble, you know, Bumblebee's all, hey, you know, I I was also on a this weird planet years ago when I was on a different TV show. And, uh, you know, I just kind of made a little game of it. And also, I couldn't talk to anybody because I just beeped all the time. But I'm not going to mention that so much because it's confusing. <laughs> so we cut now to uh, to Filch's nest. And it is atop the Crown City Colossus. This huge-ass uh, statue of a hammer-wielding angel. Why is this statue... Yeah, but, like, his lower half is just, like... Buildings? Block cube, it's not legs. Why and, is And he's also statue? holding, like, a... I guess it's, like, a little bowl. It's, like... 
he's basically a knockoff Statue of Liberty, but instead right. of the torch, there's there's a thing without a torch, and it's just a cup thing. I, I present you mixed nuts. <laughs> and it's clearly very big. It's I don't think it's like Statue of Liberty big, but it's big. No, why I, I, is the statue? Just why? Uh, yes. Well, why it, it turns out we shouldn't have hired Joel Schumacher as the city planner. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, it's a oh, very yeah, Joel Schumacher. That's the feel it's got going on. Yeah, we, at the last minute we decided not to put the observatory in the statue's hand because that would be incredibly stupid. Yeah. Uh, and also, we, you know, all these astronomers would have to like go up a bunch of flights of stairs every day. An- another, another thing I just picked up this weekend was, uh, for one dollar, a VHS tape of Batman Forever. There is so much a man can tell you, so much he can say. <laughs> you remain the light on the dark side of me. Those movies had a few good songs on the soundtracks. I mean, I they, Kiss from Rose, which is the greatest song ever written. I guess. Uh, I'm good. sorry, the greatest song ever written is the White Stripes Hotel Yorba. <laughs> um, I guess. I'd say Godzilla. Uh, doesn't make me think of Batman, no. though. I guess. Try harder. <laughs> Anyway, so the, the Autobots pick her, pick her signal up, and so they're all gonna roll out, but, without Grimlock. But, hey, no, 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 Grimlock, he's gonna go, cause he has mastered the art of disguise. It's so great, he goes and hides behind a, a bunch of junk, and he's just like, just, just moment. Almost there. <laughs> it's so good. He's trying. And it's, it's just a bunch of wheels and a truck grill attached to him. Yes, he just puts yeah. wheels on He's... his hands and his feet and put a truck grill like like a necklace, like a great big pendant, like not even attached to his chest, like in a... Yeah, just sort of swinging. No, it's just like in, he's Mr. T. An aerial T. assault with, uh, with slingshot <laughs> and his Rolls Royce chest. It's not even like that. Yeah, it's just like Mr. T. Flava Flav. It's like Flava Flav with a clock. It's, it's adorable. Oh, he's Grimlock. trying so hard. He he's the best. He's trying. He's a good boy. But hey, Denny's going to, and he's bringing his go bag of disguises. Yes, he is. And it's like one of those yeah. wheeled suitcases. He is all set. He's very excited. So yeah, they head out, and Filch, the shiny thing she's trying to steal now, is a giant girder that is holding up this Crown City Bridge. Yes. A shiny girder, really. Really? Maybe it got shine. Maybe it got polished. Yeah, it was the light just glinting off it the right way. Ma- yes. Maybe if it had graffiti on it. Well, that'd make it less shiny. And they use silver paint. I guess. Silver paint. Yeah. But it's just a plain old, like, gray girder. Anyway, so, so Strong Arm and Sideswipe have to hold up this bridge. And Denny puts on a disguise as Nevada Fleeber from the Exotic Bird Park. Hmm. Uh, that we're opening next year. And, uh, yeah, one of our larger specimens has escaped. Because he pulls off this cop, pulls over this cop, and he's like, oh, yeah, one of our larger specimens, gesturing to this giant robot bird. And doesn't he use the same, like, county name? Yeah. Yes, it's like Pensatucky or whatever it was. Like, what, what, wax, it's not actually Waxahachie, but it's very Waxahachie sounding. It's it's something, like, that sounds vaguely plausible as being in, in, uh, Pennsylvania. Which is also, yeah, or, uh, 
But it, I, I didn't Rusty use it last time, so yeah. this time they're just like stealing each other's terrible idea. Yeah, they're, they're, they're coordinating. Like, because is he that is just a Nevada running... Fleeber again. Yes. Except he's wearing like a pith helmet. Yes, yeah. he has a pith helmet. And coveralls. Which is completely unsurprising. Yes, and coveralls. Still wearing that, uh, that, uh, Hawaiian shirt underneath. That, that, the Hawaiian shirt stays on. Mm. Didn't we have the whole discussion about pith, or was that? Yes, we was did. Was that somewhere else? We had nope, that, that was on here. a Kimono Friends episode, I think. Yes. That's right, and it turns out it's just made of something that is called pith. It's made of pith. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like- From uh, oranges. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a plant material. Yes. So yes, he's got his pith helmet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so amazingly, this, uh, this cop actually buys it instead of, you know, dying from fright and, uh, sets up a roadblock. So, uh, so we, we, uh, we cut back to the, uh, back to the scrapyard. Uh, Russ, Larry LaRue is sneaking into the, uh, the scrapyard to film it surreptitiously. He's and climbing is all, over hey. the fence. He's not even yes. being very sneaky. And yes, fix it is like, is this okay? And Russell is like, no. It's not okay. Yes. So, yeah, Russell is, uh, he's still kind of into it. So he's, uh, he gets, uh, he gets a little interview on, on TV and just lets, uh, Larry Lou just kind of poke around. Also, he does, he, he has this whole thing about, oh, maybe if, if dad gets to, gets to be a, on TV, then he'll sell a bunch of stuff and we can, sell the junkyard and move into Crown City and I'm like Denny doesn't want any of that. No. I mean he could, you know he's he's a sharp guy. He could definitely like ha- you know he's not a guy who could have like a desk job in the city and like drive a minivan. He would die inside. He would. He's that's that that made me sad that he's all like, "Oh, we can do this stuff." It's like your dad doesn't want any of that. Anyway, sorry. That touched my, my poor pack rat heart. <laughs> and unfortunately for Denny, things are getting worse, cause he's got a shiny helmet. <laughs> I don't know if pith is normally a shiny Well, I think there's material. like a little, there's like a little badge on it. Ah. For, you know, bird watching or whatever. So he, he gets abducted by, uh, by Filch, who also has this, uh, girder. So they call in Grimlock, who, uh, because they need somebody to hold up this bridge. So he is going to use this truck disguise. Or, uh, rather, <laughs> when he gets this call, oh, he, Grimlock is unseemly excited. Yes. He is very excited. Like, it's like, Grimlock, we need you over here. Oh, no, no, no. Say it again. <laughs> Slower. Bumblebee's like, come on, Grimlock. Please. <laughs> Reminds this me of that, uh, that old Quiznos ad where that guy is being sexually harassed by the Quiznos oven. I asked to put it in me, Scott. Put it in me, Scott. Mm. Uh, Quiznos had We both enjoyed ads. that. <laughs> but now Bumblebee's like, Grimlock, please, this is life and death here. Please just come out here. Yeah, so he disguised himself as a truck and is spotted by Larry LaRue. So, uh, Russell has to be all, oh, hey, no, it's a, it's a Neo, have you ever seen one of those big, uh, remote controlled Neolitha truck cars? 
life which size. Is, yeah, it's it's like a power wheel. It's like if an attack pack was the size of a power wheel. Yes. And shockingly, he does buy it. And so Grimlock gets over there and has to uh, atlas this bridge for a while. Anyway, so... Uh, so Denny finds himself in this giant nest, and unfortunately also with a dead cell phone, because he you, he's been playing too much Sudoku. On his flip phone. Yes, on his flip phone. It's a flip phone. So Only he looks five around years for... ago. I guess he likes old things. I would absolutely yeah. still use a very old phone if I could get away with it, by which I mean it would work on modern networks. Or maybe because he knew he'd be in a disguise situation. It's a burner. That's fair. When it, uh, like, like when he has to abandon his Nevada Fleabra identity, he just like breaks it in half and walks away like a badass. Oh, I bet he would too. I bet he really enjoys that. That's like part of the whole thing. He's like, oh, what do I need to put in this bag? Oh, I should get a burner phone. By which I mean this phone I found in the trash. (laughs) He's very excited. And then he was even more excited when he found it it had Sudoku. Yes. And unfortunately, he's also lost this hat, so Phil's just mad at him because he's not shiny. Yeah. He's not shiny. And yeah, back at the scrapyard, uh, Fixit has examined this uh, camera and has filmed himself. Yes. He's de- he's determined that that is the device that induces stellar fusion. <laughs> so he needs to examine it more closely and also hit the record button. Uh, so yeah, they, uh, Denny eventually does find something he can charge his phone with, calls Russell, and Russell's all, oh no, I, uh, uh, so I have some bad news, dad, uh, well, it's not as bad as the news that I have, son, because I've been abducted by a giant bird. <laughs> <laughs> Which is admittedly pretty bad news. He's very high up, they, it's a very, uh, I, I don't want to say it's an effective shot of, of him, like, Waking up and being like, oh, I guess I'm back in the junkyard somehow. And then looking over the edge of this bowl up on this it giant is, it statue. It is a cool shot. It's, yes, it's very, uh, evocative. It's Hitchcockian. Yes. Yeah. Say that. And then, uh, then he's going to later become obsessed with, uh, a, a refrigerator that he thinks is identical to a refrigerator that he once loved. <laughs> Possibly. So yeah, they've, uh, they're, they're having this fight. Um, you know, the Autobots have got there. Griblock is holding this thing up and periodically checking in. He's like, Hey, uh, Grimlock, you know, how you holding up? Awesomely. <laughs> I am literally holding up awesomely. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, he's so good in this episode. He has so many good, good moments. So he, you know, Bumblebee has told Strongarm to, uh, to stay back, but she is going to disobey orders, doing it, something that goes against every fiber of her being. And so she helps him against Filch, but it is Sideswipe who saves the day by just chucking this, uh, girder at Filch and knocking her out. Well, could it be said that he yeets it? Yeah, he definitely yeets it. Okay, yeah, but, but the, the punch that Strongarm does to Filch is really cool. Oh yes, this is this is like a 
and uh, like anime finishing. Yeah, because she's like it, she jumps her at mask it and it's comes like on. Extreme perspective of one hand going towards, but the other hand in the background coming from the background to punch forward. Oh, it's mm-hmm. really good. She gets her little battle mask on. Yeah. Oh, did, uh, I, I was looking up something in the background and I couldn't find it. Did, did you mention that Grimlock skateboards there? Oh, I forgot. Yes. <laughs> yes. To get there, he gets on a trailer and you just see him going over hills on, on the road. But it's when you, he gets almost to the bridge that you notice, oh, he's actually just skateboarding there and he sort of kicks it up and puts it under his arm when he stops. Oh yeah, he is gleaming the cube. Yes. <laughs> so Bumblebee takes this beam back to the bridge, and I guess somehow they put it back in place. I don't think that's how bridges work. I don't think you just pull a girder out and then just p- slip it back in like it's Lego. No, but, well, but yeah. the problem also was like a like a chunk of the bridge was coming out, like both ends had broken off, and it was coming down. I don't think one putting one little girder back would solve that problem. No. <laughs> so oh, yeah, wait, they're uh, wait, eventually though why everything I, is resolved. I have a note that says Captain America Grimlock, and I forget why. Oh, uh, doesn't he say I can do this all day or something oh, like that? Oh yes, that that was why. Yes. <laughs> and he uh, can. So yeah, they then he gets back to the scrapyard, having avoided death, and yet there's Larue, who's you know I, I demand that you sell me some stuff. Russell is really, so I was down on him earlier, but he's also like taking an unreasonable amount of responsibility for this guy getting in because he at least once, maybe twice says that he, he let him, like apologizes for letting him in. It's like, he climbed a wall. You're a child. You did not at any point you cannot at any point be held responsible for what this man is doing, this this man's trespassing. It's no. Like, you don't need to feel bad about it. Like, you did not open the door. He climbed over, he literally climbed over the wall. So yeah, he's he's being too hard on himself. Yes. So he's all, okay, I will agree if you agree to, you know, Destroy your memory cards and not show anybody what you have seen in here. Because he doesn't know that he has footage of Fix-It. Yes, because that's when Fix-It had taken his camera. Mm. To see what about it induces stellar fusion. So he he does sell some stuff and Russell is obviously pretty bummed because, oh, I made my dad sell his beloved crap. But he's like, oh, no, no, he didn't even get the good stuff. It's on a different aisle. Yay! And then strong arm, you know, gets a uh, gets a pat on the back for having uh, broken the rules for once in her life. Good job. And yeah, that is the episode. This uh, this was a fun one. I think I didn't quite. I think it didn't have as strong a villain as the previous episode. No, yeah. nothing against Filch, but she doesn't get a ton to do. I mean, like I said, I I feel like she is criminally underused. Like, she's got a really nice design. Like, her bird mode is a really cool robot Mm. bird. And you barely see her robot mode, but there is promotional art of it out there that you can find on her wiki page. 
Uh, and, and yeah, she's really cool, except also she's apparently an animal and she is in like a book and otherwise never shows up again. So we we do see other Corvicons though. We do? Yes, we do. Okay. It's just like, yeah, that look forward to. It, it seems like with, I, with the, I will be looking forward to it. The collection of criminals that Steeljaw is gathering together that having a petty thief on the team would have made sense. Yeah. Like, here's a specific shiny. Go get the shiny while the rest of us are over here. I, I guess that depends how much she can actually follow orders though. She is perhaps not the sharpest. Yeah. I feel like that's probably based entirely on how much she wants to follow the order. Yeah. yeah, and also, what if you have to steal something that isn't shiny? Yeah, well, then you don't give her that job. <laughs> That's fair. Although, like, this episode also made me think, like, the title of the series is wrong. It, it should not be Robots in Disguise. It should be Robots and Disguises. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I I feel like she gets criminally underused, but I... I Overall, this is a pretty good episode. So I believe that now brings us to David's Tokusatsu Corner. Yes, this week on Kiku Sentai Go Go 5, a much better episode than last week. Uh, the title is Innocent Saima Warrior, which is an odd title. Because um, uh, Death Warrior Thanatos, not Thanos, Thanatos, going with the original name, not the Marvel Comics version. Uh, where did it bring you back to me? Yes. Like, um, Dinas is making a monster because she's trying to suck up to mom because Salomon Dinas has been getting all the love of it. He's, he's the youngest, but he's the one in charge. So Dinas wants to get that back by making her own monster who is like one of the toughest, like death warrior Thanatos will not give up the fight until he defeats everyone. Nothing can stop him. But then Salamandines sabotages that by throwing a magic dagger thing into it, which gives him a weakness. And the weakness happens to be he's embarrassed by women. Oh no, more hetero nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but it it does lead to a fun episode where, like, he's fighting the the rangers and is like, he's kicking their ass until the pink ranger shows up. She's in her pink uniform not a normal person version but still her voice like he gets like flowers pop up around his head a volcano steam shoots out of his nose and ears like it's not quite that he's in love with women but anytime he encounters a woman be they old beautiful child whatever like it flusters him so much to a comedic effect like it, it, so he like he like turns into the mask. Yes, but like the mask was like based upon like old um no not Tex Avery Tex Avery like wolf things wolf howls and stuff. This is more like just he may be infatuated, but he's also embarrassed and confused, and he just cannot fight when there's a woman around. And the entire thing of the episode is that flusters him so much that he starts. Like, the rangers go out split up to look for him, and green and pink find him and try to help him overcome this issue he has with women. Like, they're helping the monster of the week 
with a psychological problem. I mean, that's nice of them. It, you know, it's such a weird but adorable way. Although this also, um, oh, there, there's a, a trope that happens in a lot of Santa. I don't know if it happens in every series that at some point the female ranger or multiple of the women rangers will have an, no, usually it's just one, even if there's more than one woman on the team. One of them will have an episode where it focuses on them, kind of, although this one's sort of green and pink, but transformation into various clothes. I don't know why it's a thing, but there's a lot of fast clothing changes in episodes, and it's a tradition that, I'm not sure if they still do it to this day, but it seems to happen like almost every series. And in this series, pink, to like prove that, that like, oh, they think, wait, this monster was scared about you. Let's prove it by having you dress up as like a trendy high school girl in a China dress as a cheerleader, as a race queen in the span of like two minutes, just, just to shock this, this monster. And then, and then the episode moves on, but usually it, I don't know why it's more centered on like the transformation aspect when that happens. I don't know why it happens. Why it's a tradition of having female rangers dress up in ridiculous clothes, but it keeps happening. I'm going to blame magical girls. Kinda, yeah. Mm. Often there is like a magical girl outfit that will show up in these. This time it was just the four outfits. Magical girl outfits are the best. Anyway, so they're helping the monster. They're they're getting him to dress up as a schoolboy to walk past schoolgirls, like high school age, and and he gets flustered with that. And then he dresses up in a rabbit costume, like handing out balloons, and he gets flustered there. And then he's a tourist trying to buy a snack at a stand from an old woman, and he manages to get the the snack food. Was it gyoza or, or oh no, Dango? I think it was little snacks, but. And and it's just so weird that, like, the monster of the week who can destroy entire buildings with a sword slash is being helped out with a social anxiety disorder <laughs> to comedic effect that it, after last episode annoying me, this episode, it's like, it's it's cute, it's stupid, it's fine, and, and then in the end, Dina shows up, it's like, hits him with lightning and that, that for a minute like he's like oh no i've gotten over my issue and then he attacks the rangers but then he he has a little memento he got from them a bell it's like oh no the bell falls it's like oh no no i must be good and then he attacks dinas but dinas kills him then he becomes a big monster sad sunset fight he's dead so it sucks that like uh-huh. the sympathetic monster of the series which is another thing that does happen quite a, it's it, it's odd that they've combined Two major tropes in an episode, in one episode. The costume changes and there's a sympathetic monster proving that they're not all pure evil. Although most of them are really evil. And if it wasn't for that little <laughs> sword changing part of his personality, he probably still would have been evil. But it's interesting. Oh, and, oh, there's a little bit of trivia I forgot to mention last episode. It doesn't mean anything, but in Japanese, there's no word for brother. Uh huh. The... There's older brother and there's younger brother, but there's not just brother. So, so how do you deal with it if you have a twin? Yeah. Um, if they're like a second older, they're an older brother. If they're the second younger, they're a younger brother. Uh-huh. Wow. Harsh. 
<laughs> Which is a thing I've heard before, like, like if there are twins, one of them is always the older, and it was always like, wait, how? Why? But then when I re- I found out, it's like, oh, there isn't just a brother. It has to be older or younger. That's why that happens. Huh. Is it the same with sister? Um, I guess, uh, presumably, yes. I think there might be sibling word, I'm not sure. But hmm. like, older sister, younger sister, it, it's, it, it's time related, which is strange. Hmm. I mean, you get that, uh, I mean, I don't know, I haven't known that many actual twins, but that is at least sort of a, a trope of them, like, making a, a joke out of, like, a running joke out of that. Yeah. Like, who was born five minutes sooner. It's just a neat linguistic thing I found out, like, a week or two ago. I was like, oh, oh, that that makes sense. That's, that's why it's always older brother and younger brother in subtitles. Because huh. there is no just brother. Huh. Interesting. Senpai. What about senpai? Well, senpai is like, well, again, that's a continuation of it to a degree. It's like, that's someone who's over you, at least in age or class or something, to a degree, or a senior in some way, and you're the junior. But, uh, okay, okay, but but what does kaikaku mean? Uh, according to plan. (laughs) Gotcha, okay. Yes. It, it, It involves potato chips. (laughs) <laughs> all right so i believe that does it for this, this week um we will be back next week with more robots in disguise action until then we are all over the internet we're on twitter we're on facebook and we have patreon so we are hosted on iaconunderground.net where we have a patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses uh that is patreon.com slash underground. Uh, for September, uh, since we can't go see New Mutants, I mean, technically we can, but it's a bad idea. We don't uh, wanna. <laughs> if I drove to Canada, maybe. Yeah, in your state, they're, they're closed. Mine's like down the street, but I go outside to feed the stray cats and I hear someone on their porch coughing up a lung, so no thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, I have seasonal allergies going nuts. I'm coughing as is. So. I don't need uh, to cause a panic. Uh, so we talk about uh, Pride of the X-Men, which was a lot of fun, uh, for October, which we should be on the cusp of. Uh, mm-hmm. We're thinking in humanoids. I'm the thinking, evil that lies within. I'm thinking in humanoids, because uh. I haven't seen it, and I like spooky things in 80s cartoons, so that seems mm-hmm. like a good candidate for some Halloween viewing. Yeah. So, uh, so join us next week when uh, our true colors will be shining through. True Until then. colors <laughs> shining through. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm Jen, and I have a great big CRT TV. I'm a shiny. I'm baby.